When tax time comes around, are you being reactive or proactive? Do you find yourself swimming in a sea of questions? Like, is it better to do my tax return cheaply? How do I know if I'm doing them the right way? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we'll answer these questions and many more. Sharpen your pencils and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor. I am Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent, and we're on show number 17 and building. Yes, moving forward here, I want to extend a big thank you out to those listening throughout the United States and even around the world to this podcast. Yes, thanks to all in China, Canada, and Colombia. Your uh, listenership to this is certainly appreciated as we try to give you the best information to take care of your U.S. tax returns and help businesses in general to avoid problems. Feel free to contact me, cashtracksfinancial.com or success at, at, success at cashtracksfinancial.com or even please give me a call, 844-394-4287. You can visit uh, me on Facebook at facebook.com slash cashtracks. Updates from the last show and just the last week, a few different things occurred. Just a reminder out that with the most recent uh, legislation, the employee retention credit that was originally a part of the uh, CARES Act back in March of 2020, that has been extended into 2021 for qualifying employers. There are some qualifications to be able to take that credit, and we'd be happy to discuss those with you. Also, the IRS recently announced or actually gave the reminder that all taxpayers are now eligible to get an IP PIN. That is a PIN number that would be required in order for you to electronically file your tax return, which was previously to this only available to those who had had their identity stolen. But now you can uh, participate in this voluntary program if you so choose, which basically what it does is it locks your tax return. And if anybody tries to e-file it without that PIN, it gets rejected by the IRS. To get this IP PIN, you can go on to irs.gov and there is an IP PIN tool you can use. There is some verification you have to go through to verify your identity to be able to even get the PIN, but it is there and you can certainly participate in that program if you would like. It sounds like it would be a good deal to help you to continue to protect your identity. Also, the IRS this week announced that uh, power of attorney can be uh, now submitted online. Uh, through remote access for uh, tax preparers like myself and individuals. can Those can be now submitted, which uh, is touchless and makes it very user-friendly to be able to look up tax information, which I always find useful to use such tools. And we've used such tools quite often in this office to help taxpayers to resolve their tax issues. Keep in mind that uh, Cash Tracks Financial, I'm here ready to serve you and help you out with uh, e-signature and various options available, upload documents. Uh, we can do web meetings through uh, Zoom to have a good face-to-face -face chat to really come to understand your situation and to help you to save money and run your business or even individually help you to build up uh, wealth and so on because we are here to help you not just preparing your tax return but helping you to achieve 
excellent results as these times keep changing and providing solutions to help you to reach your goals. I'm going to jump in today's topic now, which is avoiding a drought, taxes for farmers. Yes, some people feel that, well, I'm a farmer now because I own farmland, I'm living on a farm, or I'm raising a few crops or livestock. So, But just because you own farmland, maybe even live on a farm, or even if you are raising a few crops or livestock there, you're not necessarily a farmer. There, there are challenges to that and there are motives, profit motives, that have to be determined to see if you even are truly a farmer or if you're just trying to uh, take some uh, deductions to be able to offset some other income. Because there are actually legitimate farmers in business and then there's other individuals who are actually doing farming but it is more of a hobby than really a profit motive. So let's take a look at what can actually qualify you as a farmer. A big part is, is there a profit motive? Well, when you go and you do your uh, livestock or you're raising a few crops, are you really conducting that in a business-like manner? Are you looking to to make some money with it. And there there are some people who, who actually do this. I work with, a, with some who have uh, a legitimate farming business on the side. They're out conducting business in a business-like manner, uh, buying and selling, raising, uh, buying feed and so on, but conducting it in a business-like manner, not just trying to uh, get, a, get a deduction. And as you conduct business, is it indicative of making a profit motive, not just trying to to lose money but trying to uh, make money and a big one that comes in with this is with a profit motive just like any business when you're trying to conduct a business is what you're doing necessary for your livelihood are you depending on selling of the livestock or selling of the crops that you are raising is that part of your income that's going to support your livelihood if it doesn't if you have it more as a side, if you have a full-time job and you're doing this uh, farm work as kind of a secondary job, there may still be a profit motive, but yet it could also still just fall into the hobby category, especially if you're not fully dependent on it or dependent to it, dependent on it for a certain extent for making a living and having your livelihood and be able to main- maintain your lifestyle. That could call into question whether there really is a profit motive. Also, when it comes to farming, are the losses beyond your control or is it just normal startup? Of course, losses, a lot of farmers, we have a drought in our area. Right now, they're having losses because of lack of moisture. That's something beyond the control uh, of the farmer. That's what we're looking at uh, is and many times in farming has to do with weather related, whether it's uh, a drought that's not growing grass to feed cattle or other livestock, or if it's lack of moisture to for, for if you're doing dry land farming to be able to grow your crops. So losses like that as compared to losses that you're just spending money to buy feed or spending money to buy chemicals or spending money to buy just to spend money so that you have a loss so that to offset other income, then those are those can be losses within your control. 
that's a bit, that can be very uh, difficult to go either way, but yet that's another area to determine, is there really a profit motive within it? Are you doing the same thing over and over? Now, this is actually what makes uh, farming in a way similar to uh, other uh, other business like a sole proprietor ship uh, non-farm business is that are you change are you always are you just doing the same thing over and over and over again and not making money or are you actually doing trying different methods or maybe reading some uh, some publications related to farming to say how you can maybe alter your methods uh, in doing your livestock or in raising your crops or in doing other items so that you can possibly do better or actually turn your farm or your ranch operation into a profitable motive. Because I do do business with several who do actually make money because of the way that they conduct their business. They, they change methods or they adjust. They look for the times. They look for trends and they adjust according to the trends. Also, is about knowledge. Is there proper knowledge there to farm successfully? Which also relates back, as I mentioned, are you reading or studying in certain publications, uh, trade journals related to farming? There's uh, several publications around the area I'm in that many farmers read, one called the Ag Journal, that they to keep up on what's happening in markets, what's happening in the grain markets, what's happening in the uh, cattle markets. Uh, there's... Also, knowledge of when sale barns or several sale barns around the area where cattle and other livestock are sold. Uh, are you knowledgeable about when those are? Do you know when to go and buy and sell? Or are you just showing up without any knowledge about the particular uh, livestock that you're looking to perhaps buy or sell? What, do you, what are you doing? Is there actual knowledge of farm successful? Do you know about plowing the fields or fertilizing, times to fertilize, times to maybe put down other chemicals for weeds. There's a lot of areas of knowledge. Do you really do this? Are you trying to get that knowledge? And I tell you, many farmers I work with, they, they do very well. But this is a, a key distinction between is this just a hobby or are you just kind of just really doing this to be seriously, to make, to make money at it? Have you been profitable in similar areas in the past is also another potential area that can determine whether there is a profit motive. In this, have you sold your crops, your wheat, your corn, milo, whatever you're doing, and made money at it in the past? Well, certainly you can uh, have a profit motive and be able to be doing that. So certainly as you work in the farm and work on it, if you have this profitability and you've had profit in prior years because farming is one of the most challenging businesses because you are so dependent upon the weather that if you've had profits in prior years, especially when there's been high moisture years, a lot of rain or maybe perhaps a lot of snowpack, and depending where you are in line for the ditch uh, to get uh, irrigation water, uh, all of that can play a part in, in your profits. And if you get the water, enough water to use. You can certainly get some uh, good wheat crops because there's a lot of wheat around our area, plus a lot of uh, hay and uh, corn and a few other uh, uh, crops that that's grown and and sent off to feed yards or sold to individual uh, ranchers for as feed for their uh, cattle or horses. So as you sell this, are you making profits? Have you made profits in prior years? 
do you have future profits expected? And certainly, as certain methods that you use, and as you have a livelihood and you're looking at doing it in profit motive, you certainly do expect to have profits. You should do if you're really conducting your farm in a business-like manner. You'll be able to earn these profits and be able to say, yeah, yeah I'm looking toward future profits because we've made these adjustments. We've uh, uh, learned these techniques. We're going to uh, maybe expand our, our, ca- our herd of cattle and look at making this change so that we can grow, well, so we can have uh, more more calves each year and be able to sell more calves and then, of course, adjust our herd as we need to. So, yes, we're expecting future profits. If all of these uh, areas that I've already mentioned indicate a profit motive, then definitely, yes, you could have and be in the farm business and be able to have the advantages that go along with being a farmer. Now, but if you don't match up to these actual motives for a farm you could just have what's known as a hobby farm which is not filed on on a schedule f which is where you file a farm it is not uh, going to offset any other income now if it is a hobby of course if you do have income from it and it's a hobby farm well, what they have, a uh, cost of goods sold is, is all you can use to offset it. But you got to report the income. Now, you don't pay self-employment tax when it's, ho- when it's considered a hobby on the income, but you just don't get any of the other benefits of being a farmer. Now, of course, as we looked, if you do have a profit motive and you're doing good on a farm and you're really wanting to make a business out of it, as some people start small, that when they start small, they can appear to be a hobby because they're trying to uh, maybe work another job to support while they build up their farming business, but they could still be a legitimate farmer because that's what they're wanting to do. That's where they're going. They're buying cattle or they're uh, leasing farmland, and they could very well be in the farming business. And with being in the farming business, and just like any business, we initially start up, you do have losses. And these losses, when you're legitimately in the farming business, can offset other income like wage income from a W-2 or maybe income from a flow-through entity like a partnership or an S-corp. So it can, it can help with those areas to be able to help you to grow it but yet not pay a lot of, lot of tax because you get the offset. When you do have profits on the farm, though, just like uh, a sole proprietorship, uh, non-farming business, you, do, you are subject to self-employment tax, and this is an area that uh, I think is very important for those in the farming business to realize is that it is a good thing to pay some tax every year. And this is, an issue, this is where an issue has come up for some people in the farming business is because they've spent so much trying to not pay tax that by not paying their self-employment tax in the long run, they've actually hurt themselves because they didn't pay these uh, the amounts into Social Security and into Medicare that would normally be paid into if they were a W-2 employee of somebody else. And so I've uh, worked with several farmers on this and recognized and looked at their tax returns and said, you know, you have an issue here because you didn't pay uh, self-employment tax this year. 
And so we avoid having a zero year because you don't want any zero years because they take the top 35 years when you do Social Security and they calculate it. And if you can keep out any zero years, you're going to only be helping yourself by doing that. And certainly in a year, and there's, there's so many years that you can take an election to actually pay some self-employment tax so that you avoid having these zero years. And that's an area where... Uh, to me, many farmers, especially farmers that are sole proprietorships, kind of overlook that and don't just they just don't think about it. Either that or their tax person, whoever's been doing their taxes, hasn't had the discussion with them, which is what I've often seen too when I talk to these individuals, is that I'll ask them about prior tax returns you've been farming, how much uh, tax employment tax you've been paying. Well, I haven't been paying any taxes for every year. So I'm like, you haven't been paying any taxes at all? Well, I'm gonna, then I explain to them this deal about the importance of self-employment tax, and then all of a sudden the light comes on. They're like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm always encouraging ones: you need to be paying something in on self-employment tax, even as a farmer, to in order to make sure you get a, a good amount of Social Security and that you're also qualified for Medicare by avoiding those uh, zero years by having as few of those as possible so we can make the election to be able to uh, pay some self-employment tax even if you have a loss. So that's a nice deal that's in the tax law there. We're going to go ahead and take a break now and come back and talk a little bit more about a profit motive that's reported on Schedule F with farmers. This is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you wanting to grow wealth faster, save time, and build a nest egg? Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-round to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Call Marcelino Dodge today, 719-336-8739 to schedule your free tax strategy review. Call 336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Many people want to build wealth or grow their business faster but do not know what specific numbers to look at that actually help build monthly cash flow. Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-around to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Schedule your free tax strategy review by calling 719-336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. 
To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. Very much appreciate you listening to the program today. As we're discussing about taxes for farmers and the importance, as we were discussing right before the break, for farmers to uh, pay self-employment tax. That uh, is a drought you definitely want to avoid is not having enough Social Security and enough quarters in to pay and get yourself Social Security when you do come up to retirement age, whether you choose to take it at 62 or uh, later on closer to full retirement, which is working up to age 67. And each of that is an individual basis. I don't advocate either way. What I advocate for when it comes to taking Social Security is doing what's best for the individual at the time. And But what I do advocate is for farmers in the farming business, pay at least some self-employment tax each year to get your four quarters and to avoid a zero year among your top 35. Another benefit of of being a farmer is when you do your income, you're eligible for what's known as farm income averaging, which can save you on income taxes uh, through the year with a profitable farm by averaging it out over a three-year period, often underutilized area, but is an area I try to always utilize when I work with farmers in my particular business because it is a very good tool in saving income tax. Now, a unique provision that farmers have is also relief on estimated payments, which is really nice because if a farmer makes all of their estimated payments and files their tax return by March 1st, that's this year, then they don't have any estimated tax penalties for not making the estimated payments through the year when they do owe tax. That's a very nice uh, provision that's in the tax law for farmers, and many do take advantage of that by getting their taxes uh, paid and their return filed by March 1st. Now, a person can be a landlord on farming as well, which you can own the farm, the, the land, that is, and the assets, but not actually be farming on it. But you could still be considered farming. Now, what you can be, though, is you can be leasing out the land or the assets to a farmer. You can be leasing it out for cash and just get a regular amount of cash rent each uh, each year for, for the use of the land, which some uh, around in my area, and I've worked with some that do this, that lease out their land. Uh, they don't farm it, but others farm it, and they do it, and ones do it very nicely, and they just get their, their whatever their lease payment is each year for that, or they uh, lease out their land for uh, for pasture. And I have, cause I have clients that actually pay rent to landowners for use of their land to be able to put their cattle on for a pasture. And it works out both, it works out really good for both. Also, the, the other way you can lease land to a farmer is to get a share of the crops produced, which these percentages can vary. Yet you're leasing out your land. I mean, you could have your house like almost right there, right next to the land, but you're just living in the home, but yet you're 
the land around is actually being farmed by someone else. And I have some uh, clientele that, that actually do that. They lease out the land around them, but they don't actually farm themselves. What they do is they get a share of the crops that are produced off of the land each year. Now, what's really handy about this arrangement when you are leasing land for a percentage of the crops produced is that that income is not subject to self-employment tax. So you you get some additional income, not not having to pay self-employment tax, but you do pay uh, just regular income tax on that. You do get some expenses, uh, but the key point is on that as a landlord is that you do not materially participate in that. Now, there's four tests, and if you meet just one of those four tests, you can be considered materially participating in it, and thus, instead of being... uh, not subject to self-employment tax, if you're considered materially participating, you can end up having to pay self-employment tax on it. So it's it, it's just best if you're going to do that just to, I'll just say, be hands-off. Uh, maybe visit with uh, your, your, your tenant every once in a while and just keep doing as little as possible and just enjoy the income coming in off of the crops. And what's nice is that when you do do this, you often do get some government payments too from various government programs. That's also considered taxable income, but it's still a nice provision you can get. Now, income reporting, there's uh, various farm income types. Uh, We've discussed several of them or some of them already, but some do will do custom hire work where they'll go over and they'll do some bailing or they'll go and do some other type of work on a farm to uh, help out a neighbor to get some of their uh, crops in. And that's, that work is reported on, on Schedule F, and oftentimes that custom hire work, a 1099 is issued out to that individual doing the work, and then they report that as a custom hire work that they did. If you're getting cash rent from just leasing of your land, be it uh, leasing of it, that what they're actually uh, producing crops on, or if you're leasing it to uh, someone who's putting cattle on it for grazing purposes, that is just a Schedule E cash rent that that you can get a, a few little land expenses like uh, like the taxes on the land and uh, perhaps maybe some insurance just areas that you can take as expense to offset that income or maybe you have a loan, of course, on the land as well. And then if you're getting a crop rent and you're getting a share of the crops, uh, that's considered farm rental income, which falls into another form, which is 4835. And usually when you have uh, share crop rent, you get a lot more expenses but still, it's a good source of income, and it provides you with uh, income that is not subject to self-employment tax. A little bit specific on uh, sales of livestock, because some don't actually do direct farming or raising crops, but some individuals, and I've had clients that really work, all they work with is livestock. And they'll go in, and they'll purchase, they'll go to the sale barn, and they'll see a group of, of calves that they're going to go in and buy. They're called feeder ca- feeder calves. These are younger animals that they'll go in and purchase for a certain price. And then they you go in, you feed them for several months, get them up to a certain weight. And then once they get up to that certain weight, then you will turn around and sell them to make a profit on them. And there's uh, places on the tax return well, on the Schedule F where – uh, they actually have a spot where you buy cattle like this, these younger animals, where you buy them, you put in the price where you bought them, and you put in the price where you sold them, and that actually determines your profit. And that's 
that's separate from the other expenses that you have down below. But it is uh, one area of livestock that I see some do, and some, once again, they do very well at it. Breeding, these, when you have a breeding, uh, they'll go, ones will go in and buy heifers, oftentimes. They'll use them for breeding purposes for four or five years. They, these particular cows, they come in as farm assets because they'll produce calves each year, then calves, calves that are then sold. And then there's what's also called market livestock, which basically these would be calves that are then uh, produced by the farm assets. In this case, uh, you have the heifers that start producing calves, and then these calves are then raised up to a certain age, and then they're sold. Those, for the purpose of the one doing the raising, that's considered market livestock. So they produced them there on the farm. Then they sell that livestock out, sell those calves, which there's are many ranchers that will go and that do this. And it's just, that's what their business is. They'll produce so many calves each year. I was just listening to the radio this morning and uh, one of the live, one of the sale barns in the area is having, having a sale. They're talking about all these calves that many of these areas, uh, ranchers are bringing and they're going to go and sell them and these calves are going to be the market because they raised them and they sold them and they take them out and they sell them and this of course these sales go on in our area there's one about seems like there's about a sale barn that's having a sale about every day during the week but um, but the, it, it's just that it's part of the business and that's what happened these these cattle are constantly bought and sold depending what what it's going for whether they're their feeder or they're the breeding or they're the market whatever they are they're going out and it's creating income for the rancher that is using them. Now, farmers, they have farm income, of course, and the vast majority of farmers are what's cash basis, which is basically when you have cash basis farming, you count the money when it comes in, when you take possession of it, when you get the check, that's cash basis on income, then cash sales, when you write that check out and you've paid that expense. And certainly that cash basis is very most common. That's I haven't worked with any farmers that do what's known as a creole base. We pretty much always stay on cash because it's just simpler, it's easier, and makes everybody's life so much simpler. And you do get income. I mentioned about resale of, uh, of farm products, which is, which is basically like what I mentioned earlier about feeder cattle. They're reselling them, they're buying them, then they're reselling them later at a at a different price. And then, of course, the other farm income is, of course, like your market ones, where the produce, which is cattle or other uh, livestock that is purchased, that is raised on the farm and then sold. And see, sale of farm products also includes like your wheat, your hay, milo, other farm products that are raised, raised from the ground that they sell as well. So there's a a lot of areas that fall in there, and when I'm working on one of these, I always got got to get these items clarified because they there's there's different lines where these go, and it's very important to have each of them in the right spot. Also, you have cooperative distributions, which some uh, farmers will get, which these are from uh, farmer-owned companies, and they get a distribution. When they do get a distribution, when those uh, cooperatives are profitable, there's a distribution that will be put out to, to the farmers for that, and those do come out. And those are considered taxable income. I also see a lot of payments from the USDA 
for land. It could be payments for maybe crops not producing a certain amount. It could be disaster payments. Uh, could be drought payments. There's a lot of different USDA payments that go out. Also, another type of payment, which is uh, CRP uh, payments in the business, which is uh, basically CRP is payments that are going out for those who are taking care of land that they're just basically letting it go to grass. They're kind of preserving it and leaving it out, leaving the land out there for for wildlife, for ones to for, for wildlife to do it, and they'll, but they do a little bit of work on it and have a little bit of payments, but they get these payments from the government to be able to do that, and certainly those payments there. Now, what's nice about CRP payments, though, is that those payments, when a person, a farmer gets up to the age and they're getting Social Security, those CRP payments become uh, not taxable, not subject to self-employment tax. That, that That's a nice thing. So uh, another good provision for those who have have land or are participating in some of these government programs. Then, of course, some of the other cash basis areas that uh, farmers can have is a crop insurance, which all depends on how the amount that they insured and what they insured and what they insured. But these payments are taxable and they can be depending on the year. Like right now with the drought this last year, these payments could be pretty significant that I'm going to see. Haven't seen too much, but but there's a lot of uh, insurance agents that sell crop insurance, so it's going to be interesting to see how the crop insurance comes out this year. Of course, I mentioned custom hire earlier, cash basis when they get paid. And then there's a lot of other little areas that can fall in there under other farm income as well as for, for cash basis. So just a few of the items we can hit on here. Certainly, uh, as cash comes in, uh, they utilize it and turn around. Reinvest, oftentimes, I know, most farmers will take about reinvesting equipment and do all kinds of different uh, farm-related activity to, of course, take care of their farm and raise. In properly being in business as a farmer, there are many tax advantages that a farmer can get. For example, one, one area that can happen is that a farmer can prepay up to a year of expenses. Yes, it must be an actual purchase for things like feed, chemicals, and supplies. It can't just be a deposit. It must be an actual purchase of these items for it to be able to be a deduction, which this could be handy, especially if there's a lot of expenses in a year. Uh, I mean, a lot of income or an unexpected bumper crop, as they say, and you have a lot of income. Well, you can go ahead and make these purchases a year in advance, but I, but make sure it's an actual purchase to be able to give you the additional write-off. Another area that's very nice for farmers is farm vehicles, farm pickups used primarily in the farm. I like this provision because one of my biggest pet peeves as I talk to people in business is, do you have a logbook of the use? Are you keeping track of your mileage? Because in every other business, type of business, you must keep a logbook for verification of vehicle expenses. This is where farmers are different, though, is that for a farm vehicle, a vehicle, and it could be a car or a pickup that is used primarily for farming, and that can be on the farm, that could be going to and from uh, the feed store, they can deduct 75% of all of those expenses 
for farming without having to have any type of logbook or mileage record. That is just simply marvelous. Now, of course, if a farmer does keep a logbook that can show more than 75% use, then you can, of course, take, take the higher deduction. But that, that is an excellent provision, excellent advantage of being a farmer. We're going to go ahead and take a little break now and then come back and talk a little bit more about some of the tax advantages of being in the farm business. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you wanting to grow wealth faster, save time, and build a nest egg? Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-round to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Call Marcelino Dodge today, 719-336-8739 to schedule your free tax strategy review. Call 336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Many people want to build wealth or grow their business faster, but do not know what specific numbers to look at that actually help build monthly cash flow. Hire a tax pro who makes you money and does more than just file your tax return. Marcelino Dodge at Cash Tracks Financial identifies your key numbers, works year-around to improve your numbers, keeps you compliant, and helps you achieve goals faster. Schedule your free tax strategy review by calling 719-336-8739 or visit CashTracksFinancial.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. To reach our program today, please call in. The number is 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at cashtracksfinancial.com. Now, back to the Tax Answers Advisor. Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. I'm Marcelino Dodge, and certainly appreciate you listening in today as we're talking about Uh, Taxes for farmers, avoiding the drought, and certainly some of the tax advantages of being in the farming business are there. We were just talking about the logbook requirement, or I should say no logbook requirement for farm vehicles, and then being able to deduct 75% of those expenses. That is a wonderful provision in the tax code. Another tax advantage that farmers have is income averaging over a three-year period. Now, when this particular method is utilized, it does not save self-employment tax. What it does do, though, is it can reduce your uh, income tax 
which is still a tax savings. But yet, as I mentioned earlier, the importance of paying the self-employment tax is is vital. And if a farmer does have a certain certain amounts that they expect to possibly make and even maybe owe, yeah, quarterly estimated payments could, could be a good idea. But once again, it depends on the individual situation. I can't just say this is a blanket for everybody. Now, with this income averaging, for example, there could be a tax benefit to selling some stored grain in one year and then reap the benefits because you're you're taking it out, you're averaging it out. So there could be some there. Once again, just kind of got to look and benefit and see if, if it is going to be an actual benefit, which is part of the process that we use through our year-round process here is helping individuals such as farmers to make to make decisions like that. Should I sell that this year? Should I not sell that? That's our whole process, help once to make that determination. Another advantage of farming is a special fast depreciation on certain buildings and assets. Yes, most farm buildings have a 20-year write-off period. And there's also some new provisions that after 2019, new anything that you purchase new after 2019 or yeah, equipment has a five-year life to it. But if you bought something used in 2019 or later, which brings us up to today, those have a seven-year life, but has a certain uh, method that those uh, that used equipment must use in there. Now, of course, being that this equipment is uh, five and seven years, you can still take items such as bonus depreciation or uh, Section 179. What you do just really depends on your individual circumstances. I can't advocate what's best for everybody. All I can advocate for is a saying that has to be looked at. We look at it. We determine what's going to be the best for the individual, not just on this tax return, but yet going forward. Uh, do they really? Do you really need to take a certain amount of depreciation on this tax return, or would it be of benefit to you instead of taking all of the bonus or taking everything on Section 179? but doing it in a way that is going to benefit you now and going forward because maybe you'll need an expense in future years. So certainly depreciation is something that's deeply discussed with the client here to help to make a good decision based on good information. And then other tax advantages, of course, two-thirds of income from farming estimated taxes due, paid by, and once again, filed by March 1st you're in good shape as a farmer. That's uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Another provision that they make for farmers. Now, of course, as we keep in mind with farming is that these are necessary, whatever expenses are ordinary and necessary are taking as expenses on the farm. Of course, as I mentioned about a pickup or a vehicle used in farming, you can take it 75% expenses. And with no allocation records, my goodness, that's just a beautiful area to be able to do, to be able to do that without having to have that verification. Uh, my farmers, I don't have to worry about it because I just say, okay, we can do this. And they're like, okay. Whereas everybody else, I have to write them about a mileage log. And there's certainly apps that can help ones to do that as well. Even as farming, you can take a home office deduction for areas exclusively and regularly used for farm management within the home. And, and there's, of course, a percentage that could be used, or once again, the simplified method could be used, whatever works best. And certainly we, once again, sit down and discuss and figure out which does work the best for the client. Because 
each of you as a client or potential client is an individual. And that's one of my areas where I just take a lot of uh, a lot of pride in is just making sure that as I take care of you, I look at you as an individual, look at your individual situation. And we make a tax return based on what's good for you as the individual. And if simplified home method is good, we go that way. If going percentage is good, we go that way. Just another example of how as I look at people and try to help them and do my best through our year-round process, we make these decisions and helps you to do and be successful financially and also pay as little tax as possible. A farmer may have a tenant house that they use for the help. Of course, you can deduct the cost of maintaining and furnishing this home. And what's really nice about the tenant, they don't pay tax there. So that's very good for them. If you lease property, that can be an expense that you can have. Now, the exception to this, though, is the home where the farmer actually lives. So if you're leasing property and the home happens to be with it, there has to be a a distinction somewhere of, okay, this amount is for the farmland and this amount is for the farmhouse. Uh, ideally, there should be something in the lease agreement that says, of, of say, for this $5,000 we're paying, this $500 or $600 goes toward the home. But I don't know how often that actually happens, but that would be my definite recommendation is to have, have something in there that says where the home, how much is for the home and how much is for the actual property. If there's a conditional sales contract, now these are, these are always an interesting area, is lease, lease agreements, and I put lease in quotes there because uh, sometimes leases are more of a conditional sales contract, which basically means you may have a $1 buyout, which at the end, which after three years or five years, whatever, whatever it is, it's like you, you actually own the item. But with this type, who's doing maintenance, who's doing repairs, who's doing uh, all of the work on the equipment? Well, if you're doing all of that, inf- all of that work on the equipment, then you really don't have a lease. What you have is a conditional sales contract and you're actually purchasing the item. And there's some really details in the IRS rules about these type of contracts. And that you're actually going to have to recover that cost by depreciating the item, not the lease payments. Because in a true lease, when you're leasing something, the place that you're leasing it from takes care of maintenance takes care of repairs, all of those items. All you do is pay the lease. And so whenever I run into these type of uh, contracts, I always say, bring me the contract. I need to look at the contract and see what it actually says. See if you truly have a lease. And that's an area where I sometimes get into uh, deep discussions and sometimes maybe even a little heated discussions is trying to calmly explain to the client that this is what you got yourself into. And this is how we take care of it. And this is what, what we do now. So just be aware of that on these sales contracts. And we're always here, of course, to help you to see what you need to do. Of course, there's non-deductible items uh, when it comes to farms. Some of these are, of course, anything personal, anything raised, used by the farmer, even value of livestock that died is not a deduction, especially your cash. Because if you've raised the livestock, if it was a calf that, that was lost, which 
I always have uh, some clients that'll lose a calf or whatever. They try to establish a value on it, which is good to know, but for tax purposes, it's not a deduction. And then, of course, we keep in mind depreciation of vehicles, machinery, buildings, breeding stock that is used in the farm. All of that is part of uh, what needs to be or what can be deducted. Oftentimes on a farm and in many some years we have a net operating loss. Now, there's been a lot going on with net operating losses since the Tax Cut and Jobs Act at the end of 2017. But for 2020, as we're looking at 2020, you can carry back five years or carry forward indefinitely for the 2020 return. But in order to carry forward, you you can waive. You don't have to carry it back, but you have to put in an election to waive the, the carry back period. Otherwise, you have to carry it back. Now, what's nice about the 2020 is that that can offset 100% of taxable income. That's where we are for 2020. But then as we go into 2021, where we are now, unless something changes, this is just based on current law, is that it'll go back to, for this year, for 2021, it's back to two years back or carry forward indefinitely. But once again, we waive the carry back, the carry back period, which is majority of the time with most of my clients. That's what we do because uh, in many cases, it's not really benefit to carry it back. So what we end up doing is carrying it forward. Now, for 2021 going forward, based on current law, it does limit the offset to 80% of taxable income. So. Not, not not as good as if you have a loss in 2020, which could be good for those in 2020 because, uh, well, 20, I shouldn't say 2020 should be good because there are probably some that have a lot of losses that they'll be able to maybe carry back, which if you go back five years, that could be very good. That's where, once again, looking at individuals and then making adjustments where necessary. Going to touch a little bit more just here on uh, farm income averaging a little bit more because uh, I mentioned it and talked just a little bit, but it's nice because it allows some or all eligible farm income because you can use some of it and you can select what you want to use on farm income averaging. You can actually lower your income tax. Now, as you take that amount, it can't be greater than whatever your taxable income is, which it really comes down to, once again, as I mentioned there, if you're paying self-employment tax, this, this is where this is really nice. When you're paying self-employment tax, and you really do need to, as a farmer, pay your self-employment tax. Uh, you still may be subject to regular income tax. Now, this is where farm income averaging can come in to help you to not at least have to pay the regular income tax. Because through the farm income averaging, you can off, you can average out whatever your income is and then bring down that income tax for the year. And what's nice is that when it comes to farming, it's not just for individual farmers who are sole proprietors this can show up for partners this can be used for shareholders like in like in an s corp so that all can reduce their income tax there it's it's just really a wonderful provision in the tax law that's been made available and it can be used for tax years for a tax saving tool even if you have no tax savings in the year using it it can actually help you for future years and so there could be tax saving there, which is why we try to always put it on every return because it can definitely help. So there's no real downside to having it on the tax return each year. Now, as we've been talking about farmers and avoiding the drought and being very careful in what you do and taking the proper expenses, 
making sure you pay your self-employment tax. These are all areas that when we work with individuals through our intelligent solutions uh, area, that we really try to help individuals of all types and various businesses to avoid a drought, to be able to uh, work together. Yes, I like to work together with people in their financial picture, and this is in any type of of occupation so that we can help you put together the necessary components of your financial picture because it's a challenge for us all to do it on our own. And thus, we can help you. We can come in here and help you. We enroll you in, in a bundle. It can be an individual bundle. It can be a business success bundle to help take care of the tax and bookkeeping stuff. But even go beyond that. Reach down into what you need to look at, your goals. Simplify your financial picture. Get the core components Get defined action items throughout the year. So we give year-round support by means of our business. And this is through various uh, technical means. Yes, we are available year-round. We got a, a web portal, secure web portal that is used so easily transfer information. We got video chat available where I will sit down, talk to you face-to-face that way. So to really come to understand your goals, and what your needs are. And of course, you can always get a hold of me at cashtracksfinancial.com or success at cashtracksfinancial.com. The phone, 844-394-4287. Then of course, you can always visit me on Facebook, facebook.com slash cashtracks. Yes, we are available year-round to help you meet not only your compliance needs, but help you to create an action plan to help you to be able to reach whatever financial goals that you need. And we do offer a free mutual exploration meeting to discuss your goals in detail and then to help to determine what your bundle is and to be able to put together an action plan for you and a roadmap so you can know where you're going, what you're doing, how we are going to help you. Next week, we're going to discuss wisely choose your tax preparer, but yet go beyond just wisely choosing your tax preparer, but choose one who can also be your financial partner. It's going to be very interesting how we go into that next week and discuss the importance and emphasizing even more so from the last time we talked about this, just about a month ago, frankly, of choosing a tax preparer that not only does your tax return, but can help you out in many other areas as well. Again, I thank you for tuning in today, and we'll see you next week at 9 a.m. Pacific. This is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.